the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and not joining me this week is editor Trevor Trahan. Joining me this week is our web guru, Aidan Orman. Hello. Hello, mate. Now, Trev's not with us uh, for very good reason, and that is that his missus, Jen, has gone into labour. Um, so by the time this goes up on the site, he might even be a dad. Mm. Scary thought, that is. Now, I have actually met his missus, so I can confirm it's not a Stephen Ireland's nan excuse. Uh-huh. Um, my nan's died, I can't play. Um, he is actually going to be a dad. So, uh, Trev, when you listen to this, good luck, mate, and uh, I'll see you back in the office tomorrow. Um, anyway, let's kick on. Plenty to discuss. The A-League might be over, but football certainly isn't. Uh, Ado, let's kick off with Friday night's Champions League quarterfinal draw. Now, I wish I had my little uh, clip from last week, because I do remember saying at around 51 minutes that I would bet my house on an all-England quarter-final. And there it is. Chelsea, Man United. What do you make of it? I've got to say, this is one of the best quarter-final draws I've seen in a long time. I mean, not just Chelsea, Man United. Let's just uh, run through it. Obviously, Real Madrid, Spurs, and and this is the order in which they'll play the first leg. Real Madrid, Spurs, Chelsea versus Man United, Inter Milan, Schalke, and Barcelona, Shakhtar Donetsk. And then the winners of Real Madrid Spurs will face the winners of Barcelona Shakhtar Donetsk in the first semi-final and the second semi-final with the winners of Chelsea Man U playing to Milan Schalke. So for Spurs to get to the Champions League final, it looks like they're going to have to beat Real Madrid and then Barcelona. Pretty easy, isn't it? So what do you make of the draw? Let's, let's talk about Real Madrid Spurs first. Ah, oh, look, Mourinho versus Redknapp. That's, that's, uh, that's the big thing for me on that one. Um, great chance for Real Madrid, though, to play Barcelona in the, in the semis, I think. But uh, this is a massive game. What can you say? You know, Real Madrid um, for Spurs. Messi versus, I don't know, who'd pick up Messi? For Barcelona. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm just so excited. I'm just looking at this draw. It's one of the best draws I've ever seen. <laughs> Messi hasn't moved to Real Madrid, people. No, it's just no. a little bit early for Aidan. I'm just so... Ronaldo, we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's rumours that he's he's not going to be fit, but apparently um, rumours of his demise are, uh, are, are apparently been over-exaggerated. He won't be teaming up with Portugal for this international weekend uh, and probably won't line up in the first La Liga game back uh, with a view to him being fit for this. So the, the rumour was that he wasn't going to be fit, but apparently... Um, According to well-placed sources, I believe that he will be. Um, I mean, Spurs at White Hart Lane, you know, if they're still in this after the first leg, um, you know, let, let's let's also remember that, you know, after about 25, 30 minutes of their qualifying game, they were 3-0 down to young boys yeah. uh, and looked out of it, you know. So, so they have got a shocker in them. You mm. know, they, they can go and just not play for half an hour. If they do that in the burnabout, they might be put out of sight by the time the, the, the second leg comes around. But if they're still in the tie, you would fancy a rare old atmosphere at the lane. Mm. But, I mean, that's the sort of atmosphere that Mourinho knows about. He's obviously coached in English football as well. Um, yeah, what a, what, a, what a story that would be if Spurs could pull it off. Okay. Um, uh, Chelsea, Man U. Battle of Britain. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, you'd probably say, got the wood over Man United this season. Uh, beat them recently at, at uh, Stamford Bridge. Uh, this would be a, a right tussle over two legs, you'd say. Um, I'd probably make Chelsea slight favourites for that at the moment. Although, obviously, Man United are still on top of the Premier League, mm. I'd probably say on current form. Chelsea seem to be coming into a bit of form, particularly seem to have tightened things up at the back with the signing of Louise. Yeah. We'll talk about him. Uh, and a few injuries at Man United as well, defensively as well, yeah. I think. Um yeah, I think I think this is just going to be one of those game, one of those uh, ties where it's just going to be maybe a goal in it here and there. Um, I think I agree. I think Chelsea probably just slight favourites on this one, but uh, can't wait. Okay, into Schalke, uh, into Milan at home first, uh, as they were in the last round against Bayern and lost that and became only the second team to turn over uh, a losing home first leg to win away in uh, at the Allianz. Um, they've got another German team. You'd probably say Schalke are not really of the same pedigree as, as Bayern, so you'd probably say Inter favourites there. Yeah, 
Yeah, you'd ha- you'd have to say. I mean, uh, look, I, don't, I haven't seen Schalke much, so I can't really talk to him. But, but I would say that probably Inter Milan, Inter Milan are the favourites in that one. And also, I think um, you know German teams, apart from Bayern, I just don't think they've got that that real quality at this level. So yeah, you probably think Inter Milan are favourites there. And Barcelona, obviously, heavy favourites to progress uh, against Shakhtar the next in Ukraine. Um, although the second leg is there, and again, same as Spurs, you'd say that if they could. You know, be in the tie, still in the tie. You know, a draw would be a phenomenal result. But mm. you know, maybe one goal. Uh, you know, you might fancy an upset in the second leg. Yeah. Of, uh, I think they normally get about fifty thousand there. Um, so I, I, you know, Barcelona heavy favourites. But it'd be nice to see Real Madrid and Barcelona tested in their away legs. It'd be good to see that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So they are going to be played. Those ties are going to be played Tuesday and Wednesday the sixth and Tuesday and Wednesday, the 12th and 13th of April. So only one week between those games, so it comes uh, comes thick and fast in a couple of weeks. Uh, weekend wrap-up, Ado from the Premier League. Um, we saw Chelsea beat Man City 2-0, Liverpool beat Sunderland 2-0, um, Man United uh, got a late winner against Bolton um, yeah. from Berbatov. Bit of a spill from Jasker Leinen. Uh Arsenal were 2-0 down. Uh, came back with two two goals to get a draw at West Brom. And that means that the top four is Man United um, on 63 points. Arsenal game in hand uh, on 58. So Arsenal have, have, have dropped a couple of points back from those results at the weekend. Chelsea uh, now on 54 points of leapfrog. Man City are on 53. And Man City haven't played a game more. Spurs four points back up. In fifth, and Liverpool, forty-five points uh, in sixth. So, what'd you make of it? Man United still yeah. favourites, you'd say. It, it could have been so much different. Eight if, games to go. Yeah, that chance that Bolton spurned, I think, about five five minutes before the the send-off, I think, was a key moment in the game. Um, the header, uh, you know, it could have been so much different, but uh, the send-off. But they still that just shows you what Manchester United can do. Uh, you know, ten men. Uh, justifiable red card as well, I think. Did you, you think? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I mean, did you see? Know, did you just, see the I knee? I thought they both. Yeah, I know. Obviously, that, it was a great shot. But of the just knee. because someone gets injured doesn't mean it's a red card. You know, yeah, I, I just I thought he was both off. of them. Both of them went in, in for the ball in a very similar manner. The thing that is, the thing that I was talking about with someone yesterday is we've seen Nanny Carragher like slice open Nanny's leg, and then again, you know, is this something to do with the new blades or? studs on the boots because it's it's it just seems odd that in the, the the last couple of weeks we've seen two quite horrific gash injuries yeah. that you don't normally see you know it's... yeah i mean there could be something to that but i think also i think when you look at the replay i think johnny evans did have his foot raised the referee was perfectly placed i, I thought it was a red um but i mean if it, if it had been on the other foot if if he had it was one of those tackles where he could have easily hurt yeah. Johnny Evans, so yeah. it's just the way it happened. So yeah, I must admit, I, did, I didn't think it was you know an outrageous challenge. It wasn't. It was nowhere near um, Carragher's on Manny, mm. and Carragher got a yellow card. Mm. You know, he didn't even get sent off. Yeah, um, and certainly you know the, the Bolton players and, all, and Owen Coyle have to come out and said you know it, it wasn't an ast- you know it wasn't mm. a nasty challenge. It wasn't like he set out to, to sort of do him. You know, mm. it was two players going for the ball and. One came out at, at the worst, so. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a red card which put them down to ten men, which yeah. uh, again puts an extra uh, but it, caveat they, on the, on the, their ability to get a result from that position. Yeah, even with the mistake from Yaska Line, and I still think it was they looked in control even with ten men. I thought, but that, that, that key point was the miss about five minutes earlier. The header, you know, Bolton could have easily taken the lead and then held on to it. Yeah. But, so where it was, typical Man U. So it's tight-ish at the top still. Where it is as tight as you like is at the bottom. We now have seven points separating Stoke in 10th. Well, let's go one higher. Eight points, so less than three wins, separating ninth place mm. Sunderland from bottom Wigan. Um, Wigan did themselves a massive favour by beating mm. Birmingham. Wolves did themselves a massive favour by beating my boys Villa, um, the first time Villa have lost to Wolves for 31 years, and only Wolves' second away win of the season. Um, How did that happen? 
God knows. Uh, Julio's lost lost the crowd now. The crowd have turned completely. He said in the press conference he's not known animosity like it from the crowd. And once they turn on you, you know, obviously there's rumours of dressing rooms, strife to Dunn and Collins have been mm. uh, fined two weeks' wages for a big bust up on their supposed team bonding weekend week away whilst they had the weekend off last week. Two of them got hammered and ended up having a crack at the coaching staff, which is good. Um, Team so, bonding weekend. You know, I mean, look at it. I mean, we're, Villa are now three points off bottom. Not three points off relegation. Three points off the bottom. They're a point off relegation. Mm. As are Blackburn, Blackpool, West Brom and West Ham. West Ham are out of the relegation zone now on goal difference. Um, so, you know, there's eight games to go. Um, my concern for a team like Villa um, is we're not used to it. Yeah, you know, look at those teams around Blackburn. And who have you got in the last we've eight? Scrap. We, we, well, you got a good run. Say we've got a relatively easy running. We've played most of the big guys. We've still got Man United uh, away to play, I think. But apart from that, I think we're done on the the big guns. But they're not the guys that seem to worry us. The, you know, if we can't beat Wolves at home, yeah. then we're then we're in trouble. You know, we, we are fully in trouble there. And I think every single game. Is going to be a, a scrap, and I'm just not sure that we have the players, the personnel, to uh, to get us out of that. And is Julio the sort of manager you think for that situation? No, he, I mean, no. I mean, he's, he just sits there, dude. Yeah. You know, just sits there. Yeah, you know, I can compare. There was someone made the point that there was an injury or, or there was a break in play with about ten minutes to go, and Mick McCarthy was up off his seat, pulled all the other play, his Wolves players over to him. They were one nil up at the time. Was giving them instructions about you know what what to do, what to what how to hold on to this lead. Julio sat on his on his seat, and the player, the Villa players, just stood around, their hands you know hands on their hips, just mm. waiting for play to restart. There was no urgency. Mm. Yeah, he, he's not looking at it going, oh, oh, let's change this, let's try this, and. I don't know. I've got a horrible, horrible feeling about it. But anyway, um, one thing's for certain: he's going to be a manic last uh, couple of months mm. to the Premier League season. And I, and I genuinely think that um, there's a few big guns that could get pulled into that yet. Villa being one of them. Yeah. Um, and I do think that we may well see the final day um, with all three sides still able to uh, get themselves out of relegation and that horrible sort of thing where. Someone on the final day will will get pulled into the relegation yeah. zone and relegated. Yeah, and don't you think the relegation scrap is actually sometimes more interesting than the top four? Oh God, yeah. I mean it's just such a more so more dramatic. Well, it involves more teams, yeah. and, and there's more at stake, arguably. You know, for those teams, you know, those top four are going to be the top four next year. You know, Premier League survival and Premier League status is, is huge. You know, because we see it too often. You know, we see teams that that drop down never to return. Yeah. You know, let's look at teams like like Middlesbrough. You know, let's look at teams like Sheffield Wednesday. You know, Sunderland, Charlton. Yeah. You know, that had good long Premier League sort of careers, and uh, but now you know are miles away from getting back into that league. So, you know, so you you fear for some of those teams if they do go down. And you look at my team. I mean, we're ninth, but we're only six points off the drop zone. So exactly. you know, it's they could have a bad run. Exactly. Anything Two, could happen. A couple of bad results and you're, uh, and you're right. And the pressure's there. right on. So it's, uh, yeah, I agree. Julio's not the sort of man for that situation. Right. Five, I think it's five wins in 23 games since he's moved, since the, since he uh, came. So mm. that's not good. Not good at all. Um, quick quick uh, around Europe. Uh, La Liga um, is the two-horse race that it, always seems to be and it just and the, the problem for La Liga is it seems to be getting worse it seems to be a bigger gap every year it's now uh, it's now 19 points difference between uh, Real Madrid who are in second and Villarreal in third um, there's five points difference between Barcelona and Real Madrid they've played the same amount of games 29 games so there's uh, nine games to go um, Real Madrid's home record 14 wins no draws no defeats um, they've still got to play each other, but obviously with Real Madrid uh, being on the end of a 5-0 spanking, first time round, Barcelona in the box seat mm. there because it goes on head-to-head rather mm. than goal difference. Um, Aido, any thoughts on the on La Liga? Well, I'm a Barcelona fan, so you know I'm hopeful that uh, they can Bloody hold on. But... Glory Hunter. Oh, no, I've, I just think it's the style thing, isn't it? But uh, just looking at the league, you're right. Um, it's never that, never that interesting, is it? When you've got two teams that just dominate the league year in, year out. 
I think Valencia were up there for a few years, I think, under um, Benitez. But, uh, yeah, there's a game coming up in, I think, early April. And uh, I think that'll be, uh, obviously, a key game. Okay. Well, I mean, it's Barcelona's to lose, you know, so you'd say that barring a a minor miracle, uh, Barcelona uh, will win La Liga again. Uh, Obviously, with Real Madrid finally making it to the knockout stages, um, of the Champions League, you know, beyond that first stage, which they haven't done for six years. They're now in the quarterfinals. Mourinho is already sort of making overtones about returning mm. to the English Premier League. Um, I mean, what does Mourinho have to do at Real Madrid for his job to be safe? They've got the Copa del Rey, or will it, you know, arguably, would it be, they've got the Copa del Rey against Barcelona coming up. Um, they're probably not going to win the league. You'd probably say he needs to win the European Cup. Yeah, I mean, a club like that has to win a European Cup. It has to win cups every year. Um, I think for his job to be safe is they have to win. <laughs> it's they have to win everything that they enter. So yeah. it's that sort of club. But the way that he has he has managed his situation there um, is a great feature in the UK four four two from Sid Lowe, um, who's talking about the way that you know the the, the animosity between Mourinho and Valdano. Um, and the fact that, you know, all of this is okay as long as he keeps winning, you know, but mm. he's made a lot of enemies there. Mm. Um, yeah, the players don't seem to be one. He's always very good at keeping the players on side, mm. but certainly mm. in that hierarchy, you know, if he doesn't win the big one, you'd probably fear him, but then he'll probably leave anyway. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, he can take any job he wants. Yeah. So, I mean, I think every every time you listen to him, I think it was in, when he was in Italy as well, he always spoke about the English Premier League. So it's inevitable, I think, that he'll return. With who? Who knows? Uh, quick trip over to Italy. Um, the two Milan sides, AC and Inter. Uh, AC top the table at the moment. This is with eight games to go on 62 mm. points. Very tight over there. It's mm. a good, uh, good end to the season in Italy. Inter Milan, second on 60 points. Napoli on 59 points. Udinese on 56 points. And Lazio uh, in fifth on 54. They're probably the only ones you'd say would have a chance, Lazio outsiders. But the top four there have all still got a chance. Um, Inter's transition under Leonardo has been been stunning from Benitez. You you worry, well, worry, but you wonder where Benitez is going to get another job because... You know, he, he did a very bad job there at Inter, um, and obviously the, the the resurgence of Liverpool, you know, under Dalglish, and yeah. obviously uh, Hodgson. How must he feel? Team. You know, when you see your former clubs just do so well. Well, I wouldn't say it's a resurgence under Dalglish, but they've certainly done a lot better. Um, but also, I think Leonardo's done really well. It was a bit of a surprise, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, given his record, but uh, um, okay. great to see Napoli as well do so well. Yeah, well, they, they're still yeah, right in there. Nice. They're a win away. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, it'd be nice to see... Uh, it would, again, it'd be nice to see um, Napoli or Udinese um, do well there because uh, it's always nice to see some underdogs. Yeah, and Brescia's Lazio, very, in, very much in there in fifth on 54. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our trip of the uh, the top three leagues uh, and also have you on the Champions League quarterfinals. That's all for part one. We will be back in the second part to look at the local news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com, with Ado, who's been uh, breaking most of the stories personally, so he'll have his view on those. So join us after the break. The new issue of 442 is now on sale, and it's a Master and Apprentice special with worldwide exclusive interviews with Messi and Maradona. And look at whether Messi could be called the greatest ever yet. We also catch up with local heroes Matt Mackay and Patricio Perez and look back on the Socceroos Asian Cup campaign in pictures. We take you to London for the inside story of Aussie and Kiwi hopefuls taking part in Nike's The Chance Initiative and take a look at whether tactics are overrated in football, plus the regular Planet Football and Performance performance section with additional video and photo features in the iPad edition. On sale now at all good news agents or the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to focus on the local game now and look at some of the headlines on our website au.442.com with the man that's broken most of them. Um, Ado, news overnight. Uh, Unfortunate news for the Mariners that... um, They've released Patricio Perez from the final year of his contract uh, to return home to Argentina on compassionate grounds. Um, he's apparently very homesick. 
uh, and wants to return home, which is a shame because I sort of got the feeling that, that we didn't really see everything mm. that he was capable of. He sort of promised a lot and, mm. with, and the talent was definitely there, but yeah. the combination of injuries, suspension, yeah. we didn't really... Yeah, it never got the going. Full package. Yeah. yeah, if he played week in, week out, he could have been every bit as good as Flores. But uh, my understanding was that his wife just didn't didn't settle here. Um, they're talking about compassionate grounds. They just obviously just didn't settle as a couple here. Um, and with Amini doing so well in uh, in Germany right now, you wonder where the playmaker's going to be next season at Central Coast if they do lose Amini as well. They've already lost Perez, so uh, that's going to be an interesting off season for Arnie. I do. We think this was a was this a Gosford issue? Do we think had he been at a Melbourne or a Sydney or somewhere a bit bigger, and oh, he might have, they might have settled a bit better? Or it's hard to say. All all I know is that uh, my understanding is that his wife just didn't settle here. When the wife doesn't settle, and the players unsettled, so uh, yeah. I mean, when you come to Australia, you do kind of have to expect it's going to be different. Yeah. So, well, and it's not the sort of place that you can just jump on a plane and be home in a couple of hours. You know, yeah. it's like it is, you know, five hours yeah. from the other side of the country, let alone That's right. Else. Yeah, and it's probably more of an Argentinian community in Sydney. I can I can vouch for that. So, yeah, maybe in Sydney you might have settled better. But look, ultimately, we never really saw the best of him. Great player, though. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back one day. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, uh, yeah, that's a shame for the Mariners. As you say, with Amini off uh, supposedly wowing people, well, let's talk about that mm. um, overnight as well. I know news from mm. uh, that he's been you know, performing fantastically in his uh, week's trial with Dortmund, mm. uh, has been pulled into the... To the to national training to camp. To the training yeah. camp with the, young, yeah. the other young lads. Who's, mm. Yeah, so... Yeah. So, look, well, I mean, I always thought that he would be called in. I mean, he's in Germany... They're having a national training camp in Germany. He's been at Dortmund for a few days, done really well. The the uh, the head coach of uh, the club, I think Jurgen Klopp, has come out and said he's undoubtedly a talent. That was the quote. Yeah. I think the sporting director, Michael Zork, from memory his name, uh, also uh, said that he'd done really well, but uh, you know, stressed that this was a player he was probably for you know, a youth team at the moment. But uh, yeah, they've, they've said he's done really well. He's been called into the camp. Uh, that Holger's put on in Germany, and then he'll go back to Dortmund, continue training there, and then go off to Newcastle United, then come home. That's the plan at the moment, but it's great to see him doing so well. Nice picture of him in his Dortmund training gear on the on, on one of the websites in Germany overnight. Excellent. Well, yeah. you know, his star continues to rise, so mm. um, who knows whether, you know, let's hope we see him um, in the A-League next year, but... Um, yeah, if he's going to, to clubs of the stature of Dortmund and Newcastle United, mm. then that can only be good for him. Um, but certainly you would say that he's going to figure in the, the Olympics. Obviously, the Under-20 World Cup's coming up, but yeah. you'd probably say even at 17, he's going to be a, you know, a, a regular in the Olympics. Mm. And I think Hamburg has already said that, that they're looking to fast-track those really younger players into the Olympic team yeah. rather than some of the older Olympic players. Yeah. And that, that group of players will then go on to become the next generation of Socceroos in, in another two years' time from the World Cup. So we're talking about Brazil. So, yeah, we could see some of these young players actually ending, ending up in our World Cup squad for 2014. But right now it's looking very much like they'll, it'll be a young Olympic team that uh, hopefully makes it to all the way to London in uh, 2012. And the qualifiers start pretty soon. All right. Also in the news consistently this week, and it seems at the moment, is, is the happenings over in uh, WA. Mm. Um, now, wanna talk to me more about this sto- story that you broke this week about uh, former South Korean national youth coach mm. uh, Robert Alberts mm. was, uh, has had contact from Perth. Um, he's won championships in Indonesia. So, mm. mate, where did this story come from? Well, uh, 442 in, in uh, 442's TV show in Malaysia actually yeah. contacted me. They said he'd been on the show a few times, and uh, they said he might be an interesting uh, story. They, they, they'd sort of let me know that there'd been some fillers put out. So I just contacted Robert, and uh, he, told me, he told me that Perth Glory had been in contact with an agent uh, you know, about him, and also that the FFA had been in contact with him a couple of years ago, or three years ago, when they were looking for an under-20 coach. I believe he knows Rob Barn. This is about three years ago when they were looking for an, an under-20 coach or an under-17 coach. Um, so he's obviously part of that Dutch uh, network, you could say, of coaches yep. um, that work around the world. Um, he's won leagues... He, he, he won the league with Arima Malang in, uh, in Indonesia. He was then with a team, I think, called PSM. 
Um, so, yeah, he's got a pretty decent record in Asia, but as you said, he's keen to look outside of that, that region, and he, d- he did say that it d- it, uh, the A-League did interest him. Whether or not he gets picked up, who knows, but he did say Perth Glory had uh, made some inquiries a few months ago. What Fergie's got to say about that. Well, yeah, I'm sticking with Perth. Uh, Evan Berger and uh, Danny Vukovic uh, obviously will be lining up for Perth Glory next year. They arrived in Perth on Tuesday. Um Rumoured to be followed, we would expect, soon by Shane Smeltz. Yeah, look, that's been confirmed to, to me. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't think officially they've come no. They said they're very close. No, but uh, just doing personal sources terms. have told me that he has. Yeah. It's, it's all, the deal's done. Yeah. So that's going to be an interesting team next year, uh, if, if Fowler does stay, Fowler and Smeltz. Well, yeah, let's saw that, because obviously the, the, the general consensus was Smeltz's signing spelled the end of Robbie yeah. Fowler, but... The club have quickly come out and said that's that's not the case, mm. and they're, they're, they've offered Robbie another year, and they they want him to stay. Now that mm. that would be a forward line, yeah, <laughs> that. yeah, yeah. And you know, like just just go back a year. I mean, a year ago, if we'd said Central Coast and Brisbane Raw were going to be in the grand final twelve months after, you know, not many people would have would have bet on that. Who knows about next year? Maybe that will be the year for Glory with Smeltzy and, and Fowler, Vukovic and Gola. I think he's had a terrific season the last yeah. year. Um, Berger, I think also Heffernan signed. Um, obviously, still question marks about Fergie, you know. Yeah. And that, well, well, that will said, continue. You, know, you look at you look at Brisbane, and you know, one of, I still think one of the key signings for Brisbane was Theoklatos. You know, having that consistent yeah. keeper, he was you know, he was also pretty much an ever present in the two Mel- you know, Melbourne victories mm. championship winning sides. So, I think you know, good you know good. Any good quality squad or good quality team starts at the back. Yeah, Spot, yeah the spine, and has yeah. that anchor behind them. And yeah. I, I think Vukovic might well be uh, you know, a master stroke in terms of getting him in and having that consistent sort of keeper there that, yeah. that drives everyone forward. So if you had Vukovic, a really good central defender, Smeltzy and Fowler, you've got a nice spine there. Yeah. yeah uh, it's still a little bit of an older squad. I mean, I was expecting a slightly younger squad for next season. Um, but... Yeah, could this be finally, finally the year of Perth glory? I, mean, I don't want to alienate all the old boys in the shed. So no. I'm trying to make them feel, still, still feel yeah. part of it. Anyway, uh, Bruce Gitte, uh is going to be back at Adelaide United next season. Mm. Uh, three-year deal. Oh, no, so three years after he left from uh, yeah. from Turkey. I believe it's a two-year two deal. Two-year deal. That's Sorry, what that's my understanding is a two-year yeah, It's been reported as three, but I, I believe it's a two-year deal. It's Rough, I've been told from some sources that it's roughly double of what he was on at Gold Coast. So, uh, yeah, it's a return for Bruce. He left in 2008 for Genschler Beer League. Um, glad, you, a- glad you tried to take that off. <laughs> Genschler. Um, yeah, he scored against them in the finals. Yeah. In that, that, uh, the day that Smeltzer scored that amazing yeah. goal. Didn't celebrate it as well, did he? Yeah, he which was nice touch. Nice touch, and, nice touch yeah. yeah. Maybe he knew something Maybe. then that we didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, Bruce. But it's good to see him back in Adelaide where it all, all began for him. Um, and he'll obviously, be, I think, be using that as a springboard for his next move over, overseas. Perhaps he did go a little too early this time. Well, he's, he's, he's gone to China. He's followed uh, that's Alex Wilkinson as well. He's also mm. uh, headed off to China. Um, he's joined... Jiangsu Sainty, well, I said that right? Oh, excellent, yeah. Uh, you're our, you're our uh, <laughs> Asian expert um, for the, for a loan spell before the season starts. And obviously, what we're seeing here as well is that we've talked about it. You know, is this long off season is causing yeah. problems? You know, it's massive problems. It's massive seven, problems. seven months, you yeah. know, before the season starts again, and yeah. um, and people need to stay fit. You know, like. Professional footballers these days are generally playing football at least yeah. ten months a year. And uh, Newcastle Jets are starting their preseason on, on April 11. Oh, so that's seven. Is it seven months? I think it's uh, like from the from the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, it's just. I mean, that's a season in itself. Yeah. You know, the off season. So I I, I really want to ask Branko the question: How the heck are you going to manage a I don't know five six month off season for these players? I and mean, what do you do? Yeah, how do you keep nuts. them interested? You know, I'd I'd be quite happy for any of my players who wanted to go overseas to 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 play for three months till the end of their Indonesian season or the China or during the Chinese season, whatever, because that's too long. And you and you, you, you younger players are losing out in development clearly. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, uh, Travis Dodd has headed over to Perth from Adelaide, so uh, Adelaide, and they've also released um, 
midfielder Adam Hughes, so they've got some room within their roster. And uh, Phil Stubbins. Oh, yeah, gone. Phil Stubbins has gone as well. So, yeah, uh, been replaced by the Wellington Phoenix yeah. assistant. Yeah, Luke a lot of Charles. change over there in Adelaide, I think. And I think, it, I think, it, from what I've been told, there's going to be a lot more changes. Uh, in that squad before the end of the before the start. Well, rumours are still there about Flores and whether he'll be there next year's interest from the MLS and and rightly so. Yeah. Um, uh, and there's I mean, there's always talk about players like that, but it's such a long off season. That's this, this is going to happen. Let's just talk about the MLS for a minute just before we end this section because increasingly I find myself looking to the MLS for as the sort of benchmark that we should be aiming for. You know, and obviously it was brought into focus this weekend because their their season kicked off mm. last weekend, and just great footage of you know them playing in twenty thousand stadiums. Like the Vancouver Whitecaps played their first home game, twenty two thousand people in a purpose built mm. stadium. You know, fantastic. You know, the, and Seattle the as they, well. Did you way, see Seattle's yeah, crowd? Mate, the way yeah. that they present the game, their websites, it's all very slick and professional. And and if I was looking, if I was running an A League club or the league, and looking for, you know, a sort of benchmark to set ourselves, I, I think we could do a lot worse than, mm. than look at the MLS and, and learn the lessons from what they're doing. Because, um, you know, and I linked on Twitter today to uh, to Brighton's new ground in the UK. It's a nice little video tour. It's been built. Around. Obviously, they've been, they've been homeless since the late 90s mm. when they left the Goldstone ground. And, you know, Brighton has got a population of 250,000 people. They average 7,000 at the Withdean. Um, and they'll they're building a 22,000 purpose-built stadium um, for a hundred the equivalent of 150 million dollars, 100 million pounds. But it's opening up other revenue streams for them, conference centre, you know. Um, and again, I just think that that's got to be a sort of medium, long-term aim. Every club in the A League, you know, that's a catch on every quarter of a million people. You know, Sydney, Melbourne, you know, Adelaide, Perth. All of these have got much bigger catchments than that, you know. Mm. And I think we, should, we we have to, if we look at the the what was one of the biggest single drivers that has that has given the MLS its sort of identity, it was when they moved out of the big fifty sixty thousand mm. NFL grounds into their own purpose-built stadiums. Mm. And just going back to the MLS, we could have a whole podcast on media management of MLS clubs versus A-League clubs. I mean, there's a lot of A-League clubs out there that just, I have to say, are just very poor with media management. And it's a, it's a cultural thing in this country for some reason. You contact MLS clubs to interview players, and it's actually easier. It's, it's just, they just do it so well. Okay. And it just frustrates me. All right, well, as I say, we've got plenty of time before the next season kicks off, and I'm sure that the, uh, the clubs are, are doing their homework um, and looking at how we communicate the game and, and grow the game and and promote the game, whether that be at FFA level or club level. Mm. So that's going to be part two. We'll be back in part three. We'll uh, look at some of the international news that's been making headlines, and there's plenty of that. Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300 Goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to turn our attention back international for now, and we are going to look at some of the headlines from a website, au.442.com, but from the international side of things. Now, Sepp Blatter, uh, hot on the heels of uh, Mohamed bin Amam's decision to stand against Blatter, um, Sepp Blatter said that, well, I'm only going to stand for this next term anyway, and I'm going to stand down in 2015, even if I win. Now, I would say that that's his campaign in beginning right there, which is that, you know, well, should we give him one last term and then sort of he's going anyway, rather than the, obviously, the political time bomb that would be, you know, potentially splitting FIFA down the middle, getting mm. him out now. Mm. Um, I know, what do you make of that, both Bin Amam's decision to stand and, and Blatter's sort of... Uh, was this designed to take the wind out of Bunamam's sails, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a political move to... I mean, politicians will, will, will often argue this in, in political parties. They'll say, well, look, just you know, have faith in us now. Um, you know, it's always put on faith that, you know, we'll be OK over the next four years. And I think that's just such a typical thing of him. 
What's what's there to say in four years' time he's not going to run again? Yeah. Well, I suppose the, 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 the background to this would be that he's he'd be really he's old looking to that. Yeah, he's seventy-five now, so yeah. he'd be nearly eighty. And the um, rumours that he's doing a deal with yeah, you know, this is a direct appeal to the European bloc of fifty-three mm. um, countries to support him, and then he'll make way for Platini in 2015 and obviously Platini's just been re-elected president of UEFA with, you know, unopposed mm. um, there was there's a bit of rumour on Twitter which is great for rumours that because Friday is the deadline tomorrow is the deadline for nominations for anyone to stand against Blatter um, as Ado making notes with his FIFA pen mm-hmm. um, and the rumour is, is that a, a high profile ex-player is about to throw their hat in the ring um, that isn't part of the current sort of FIFA machine. Who do you think that might be? I don't know. I don't know. Legendary ex-player was the word to use. I mean, my thought would be, you know, are the English annoyed enough from the thing to have managed to get someone like Bobby Charlton yeah. Or is he well enough? I mean, he, he doesn't seem... Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I Who think Ben Haman was talking on Eurosport last night about how, you know, it sends the, the wrong message to have somebody based in Europe, that it's, it, it is a world game. And that, that's, that was part of his argument, that, you know, it's good to have somebody like him who's from a different part of the world. Um, Personally, I mean, I, I just, I, you know, Ben Haman's part of the problem. He's on the ex- executive committee, mm. you know. He is intrinsically linked with what the problems are. You know, he's, he's Qatari. AFC obviously abused his position massively as the head of the AFC, throwing his weight behind the Qatari. You know, that that was, to me mm. was was you know really bad the way he did that. You know, um, it's supposed to be impartial and as the head of the AFC and mm. to be so... And he, he openly came up and said, well, I'm Qatari, so I'll be... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't see Bimmerman as, as any real change. I just think it's just so uh, do you think it, it, same problem, different face. But so if you're voting for change, if, if, it's, if it's this player that you're talking about... Change so is someone from outside the current executive committee. Yeah. But can you be in. clean in FIFA? Can you, be, can you run a clean I campaign? Just, I'd love to see someone go in and go, right, <laughs> what... How does this run? Yeah. What do you do again? And what what do you get for that? And are you are you sure? But wouldn't there be too many vested interests, Jacko? That, uh, would, that but would, also, that would, that I would, guess part of the problem is, Aino, is that the, the World Cups are already decided now until 2022. So, yeah. you know, any, any impact is not going to have any effect at the at the highest level for for another sort of decade at least. So, but anyway. Um, FIFA, God, FIFA, what can God, you say? Talk all day. Yeah. Uh, Man United's uh, results accounts came out overnight and uh, doesn't make for great reading. The the Red foot Joint Football Joint Venture, which is the Glazers' parent company that owns United, uh, reported 108 million pounds loss last year. Um, 30 million pounds went on interest, which on their 220 million payment in kind loans um, you know we've seen that we see the same at Barcelona you know Barcelona hundreds of millions of pounds in debt um, yeah Chelsea hundred hundreds of millions of pounds in debt albeit to Abramovich but you know that fear of what would happen if he decided to pick up his toy set and go home I mean I know I mean you know, it, it seems that the, the, the biggest clubs in in football are you know, the biggest culprits, arguably. Mm. Although Gill comes out and, and says that we've got $165 million in, in the bank. That's his retort to those those stories. Um, I love the line about what he says. We would prefer to have $80 million in the bank and Ronaldo on the pitch, but we've got $165 million, so there's no pressure to sell star players. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, it's not great reading. And obviously what's going to be interesting is as the, the fair play... Um, financial fair play becomes uh, a reality is how that affects teams like Man United and uh, Chelsea and Barcelona. Anyway. Uh, John Terry, obviously, uh, as we prepare for international weekend uh, around the world, uh, Euro 2012 qualifiers uh, are on. John Terry, in an astonishing um, sort of display of awareness, you know, uh, said that he realises he's not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> That's probably the understatement of the year. <laughs> Footballer think? in, in no, strong self-awareness, shocker. 
Not everyone's covered. Uh, the backdrop to this, obviously, yeah. is Capello has given him back the captain's armband, having stripped it of him uh, when the, the scandal broke about his uh, affair with Wayne Bridges' ex-girlfriend and mother of his child, uh, Rio Ferdinand's injury, ongoing injury problems are, have meant that, obviously, he's out of contention for the foreseeable future. So the... The armband's gone back to Terry. Now, Ado, what, what do you think about this? I mean, is this a, you know, is this a sign of weakness from Capello? I mean, seeing as he, he was so quick and decisive to act to the start, is this a bit of a... I don't think it looks... Sort of backtrack? For, I th- for a start, it doesn't look for the future, but also I love, the, I love the quote from Terry. He said, he asked the players if they had any questions after told he'd been reinstated and nobody spoke. No, they were all too busy on the phone to their wives checking where they were. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> No, um, I don't think it's right. I don't think I don't think it sends the right message. Um, but Capella knows his players better than anything. But I, I I was just I was stunned when I heard this news. I thought it was a joke. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, would you have a captain like that? Well, I just think the reason that the reason that he was that he was relieved of the captaincy has not changed. Well, yeah, that's so right. So why give it so, him back? Yeah, you know, I'd be yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You can't yeah. change the past. And also, I do think, you know. I mean, I genuinely think that we make too much of the captaincy in England. It's too, you know, great teams generally. The captains are, they have more than one captain on the pitch. It's not just the person that's got the armband. I mean, who who was was Spain's captain? Uh, At the last World Cup? Yeah. Uh, Casillas? Yeah. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. He's the keeper. I mean, who drives that team forward on the pitch? Yeah. Yeah, You've got Javi, you've got Iniesta, you've got Puyol. Yeah. At the back, you've got PK. You know they've got leaders all over the pitch. The, the armband in great teams is really just sort of symbolic. It's the person that goes and tosses the coin and yeah. picks up. I the think Verbeek was talking about that when he was in Australia that we do make a lot yeah. of like captains in this country. I mean, our captain is Lucas Neal. Yeah, England's the and same. And there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of questions about who will be captain. He and he was always dismissive of the fact that well, well, you know, who cares? He's captain. It's it's not so much about who is captain as how you lead on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool, obviously, uh, Fernando Torres is, uh, has not made the impact that he would have hoped at Chelsea yet. Uh, he's still yet to score. Um, David Luiz, who uh, joined at the same January break, has got two goals for Chelsea. Uh, Torres is yet to get off the mark. Um, Damian Camoli has, uh, has, has spoke this week about how you know, he, his departure from Liverpool has, uh, has sort of lifted a cloud at the club. Um, yeah, I... I I'd say that's a little bit harsh, but yeah, it, it's probably a number of things. I think Suarez coming in has, has definitely been a breath, breath of fresh air, and, I, yeah. and so I suppose in that way he's right. In that mm. you know Torres's departure enabled them to go and bring in Suarez and Carroll. Mm. Um, but certainly you, you you look at Torres having gone to Chelsea, and he, he seems to have carried he's that carried his form body over. language and yeah. sort of form over with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I- I think it was always going to be one of those transfers that's going to be really fantastic or really terrible. And so at the moment, it's looking a disaster. But Luis, I mean, the two Brazilian players on the weekend against Man City, I mean, the, the second goal in particular. You know, I, lo- there's, I, there's love Lu- I love Luis's to... goal. I, I just think he's brilliant. I love the sideshow Bob hair, the passion. Yeah. I mean, the, the, just love the way he's obviously becoming a, a massive cult hero there already. He's got the musty Yamini about him, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that distinctive look. He obviously just loves playing there, the response and the way he connected with the crowd when he scored that goal. But, but also, I think he's he's key to Chelsea because, um, you know, they Terry always looks a much better player when he's playing alongside someone who's a bit more comfortable on the ball. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think that Louise has plugged the gap that Carvalho left. Yeah. You know, I think Carvalho is a very much underestimated player in those Chelsea sides that were winning all the trophies because yeah. the Drogbas and the Lampards were getting all the plaudits. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I, I think that, that him going to Real Madrid did leave a hole in their defence and I think they've plugged it now. But did you see the, the, the half-hearted defensive work of Gareth Barry on the weekend when oh. Ramirez... Did you see that? Did you yeah. see how he just let him stroll? I mean, he literally didn't even make a tackle. He just let him stroll through. Great goal, but terrible defending. Yeah, he's never been the quickest, Gareth Barry. He's got a turning circle like the Queen Mary. <laughs> but, um, uh, talking of Villa, uh, we had a quick chat about him earlier. My boy Stuart Downing has uh, said the international break has come at the right time for trouble. Tall Aston Villa. I guess that's. I bet what he means by that is we can't lose again for another week. 
Um, he said that you know he's looking forward to uh, to to having a you know the international break. He'll be on England duty with Dan and Ashley Young, Darren Bent, and Carl Walker um, for the game against Wales in Cardiff. Um, obviously, they'll be playing against teammate James Collins, who's one of the guys who was mm. causing the trouble at the uh, at the team week away. It's not a good sign, though, for me that when you've got a player saying, "Thank God, we get mm. we get a week away." You know, mm. it's like yeah. I, I would rather them say, "We gutted that the international breaks here because we want the chance to put it right." You know, we want to yeah. get out there and start winning again. But he's, he's spoke he's spoken how he feels. He's clearly it's clearly it's not, it's not well, a happy I mean, camp. Rumours are that he's not happy there. Um, and once out, so uh, he's been probably one of the, the better Villa players this season. What are the chances of Julio being there next season? What do you think? He uh, wouldn't be if it was down to me, but it's not down to me. And um, the, the hierarchy there have come out and backed him again this week and seem to have bought into a, a sort of longer-term plan with him. Um, so that's what they're doing. And I do, I do agree with that. You know, I, I, if they've bought into a particular vision and he's highlighted players for next season as well. Um, then you know maybe you stick with that because mm. you know we've all talked about the importance of giving coaches time to 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 get their you know their, their system of play and the right personnel. But, but the problem is, is that if we get relegated, yeah. all, all bets are off because. But it's, all the shouldn't, top shouldn't, players shouldn't all that leave. be the, the starter for ten? Is that yeah? But we have to stay up in the first season. Yeah, that's your starter for ten. So I'm not sure he could survive if he got as relegated. I, I just don't think the fans would mm. would put up with it. Um, okay, one thing that also is happening uh, in the UK was uh, the Football Supporters Federation are, are, are putting a petition for safe standing areas in the uh, in the top two divisions in England. Um, this has been successfully introduced in Germany. Uh, Premier League have said that they will um, they they'll make a stand to retain seating. Um, Ada, where, where do you where do you sit or stand? Should we say on this? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say, really. Uh, I think we all remember uh, the difficulties in the old days of those stadiums. So I think it's really key that we, you know all seaters are really important. Uh, but it's been successfully trialled and brought in in the Bundesliga, and you know I, I, I think that um, you'd, you'd definitely say that the atmosphere has changed at Premier League games or top-flight games in the UK since the introduction of all-seater stadiums. But it was, I think, it was the. Obviously, following Hillsborough and Heysel, it was the it was the change that we had to have. Mm. But I, I definitely think that they should now you know, entertain it because ultimately, you know, this comes down again to some of the issues well, that we've talked about locally. Is economics. fans are the customers? Yeah, you know, and and the spectacle that is created, and, and people go, well, yeah, but fan revenue is tiny compared with TV revenue now. Yes, it is. However, the TV money is so big because of the spectacle that they're watching and such a big part of that spectacle is the crowd mm. would the Premier League be as an appealing TV broadcast uh, by if you're watching it and there's no one there yeah and I mean, it looked like a Gold Coast home game yeah I mean that goes for most A-League games the season when you're playing in, in stadiums where it's just way too big yeah yeah. You know, so the crowds are such an integral part of the top flight football in England. Mm. And if this is what they want, then I think the Premier League should entertain it and should mm. certainly look at it and shouldn't just dismiss it out mm. of hand because at the end of the day, football without supporters is nothing. Mm. So who would fund it? Who would, who would fund these? Re, you know, the, the whole idea of reshaping some stadiums? Well, I guess the clubs. Yeah. Because, yeah. again, it's their customers. Mm. Um, yeah, you could argue that they could potentially then sell more tickets because they can fit more people in. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a long way to go, but certainly they've got a very good uh, benchmark in Germany, which is the highest average attendance and the cheap, you know, um, and some of the cheapest tickets for top flight football in, mm. in Europe as a really good case study as to how this can work. So mm. I'd, I'd like to definitely see it given more, uh, more airplay. Mm. Um, all right, that's it for uh, part three. That's our uh, quick whirlwind tour of the world uh we'll be back in section four we're going to do a quick uh, preview although it's a, it's a while off yet but we're going to have a look forward to the socceroos game against germany it's next thursday and just pick out some of the the big 
international matchups over this weekend. The new issue of 442 is now on sale, and it's a master and apprentice special with worldwide exclusive interviews with Messi and Maradona. And look at whether Messi could be called the greatest ever yet. We also catch up with local heroes Matt Mackay and Patricio Perez and look back on the Socceroos Asian Cup campaign in pictures. We take you to London for the inside story of Aussie and Kiwi hopefuls taking part in Nike's The Chance Initiative and take a look at whether tactics are overrated in football, plus the regular Planet Football and Performance section with additional video and photo features in the iPad edition. On sale now at all good news agents or the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're now going to turn our attention forwards, looking into the future, just under a week, and the Socceroos will take on Germany. Um, Ado, German squad, strong, <laughs> let's be honest, mm. uh, pretty much their World Cup squad, uh, not far off you'd say, um, Adler, Defence, Boateng, Friedrich, you know, Lahm, Mertesacker, we've got uh, all the big names in midfield, Kadera, Ozil, Muller, Schweinsteiger, Gomez, <sighs> Podolski, Closer. Yeah, effectively, the soccer groups can find themselves lining up against the same side that beat them 4-0. Yeah. And I think very close to it. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's probably why Holger's tried to pick his strongest squad for Germans this game. Germans don't do friendlies, do they? No, no, it's, no. It's all or nothing. You win it's, every game you play. If we're putting a side out, it's, yeah. it's a German side, which, which I, I like. It's good, you know. Um, and how do, how do we think, you know, how do we think Holger's soccer is, will will approach this? Well... I can tell you one thing for sure. There's going to be a real feeling to this game because, you know, we really hurt after that 4-0 loss. We're really, really hurting. Um, I think Holger's picked a squad to try and win this game or at least yeah. get a decent result and, and, and regain some pride. Of course, he's back home as well. I mean, this is, yeah. this is a German coach. Um, and I think he'll probably try and play a little bit more of an offensive style of game than we played last time, I think, uh, when we played them. Uh, we tried to play a 4-4-2, I think. I think Pim tried to change his cha- tactics for that game, but it didn't work out that way in the end because we were under pressure so much from these midfielders that they have that just kept running at us from all parts of the ground. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to try and uh, take the game to them a little bit more. It'll be a good game, really good game. Well, one of the areas that, that we did struggle in, as you say, was um, was that mobility yeah. in defence you know, that, that we, we saw... Lucas Neal and Craig Moore trying to play an offside chat because I think they realised very quickly that they were getting pulled all over the place and yeah. the, the Germans were breaking from everywhere. Um, you'd hardly say that Ognanovsky for Moore has solved that problem. Are we still gonna? Are we still susceptible to to being ripped apart the same way as we were? And, and indeed, we were against the US in the the pre the the, the pre tournament game. For the World Cup, yeah, I think we are. Suscept- I mean, anyone's susceptible to be torn apart by Germany. This particular German team. In fact, I'm, I'm tipping them to get all the way to the next World Cup final. I think they're that good. But I think we're sli- a slightly younger team. I mean, he may play uh, Mackay in midfield. Uh, he may play Kilkenny as well. A little bit more mobility uh, in the middle of the park. Uh, Rukovitz is in as well, which is interesting. He plays in Germany at Hertha. Um, yeah, of course we're susceptible. But I think if we've got a more of a clear outline of actually how we're playing these days. Uh, under Holger, I think it's a lot better. The players, I'm sure, weren't sure how to play that game because uh, because Pim changed his mind. Basically, he knew that we were going to get beaten, so he changed his mind, and uh, it was too disorganised. You know, the players couldn't a- adapt to what he wanted to do. So I think we're a little bit clearer these days on what what the national coach wants. Okay, I mean, uh, Tim Cahill, as always, puts his hands up, hand up um, to play, but uh, you know, certainly looking at his. his been as sporadic, uh, you know, appearances for Everton since mm. the Asian Cup. You know, he wasn't fully fit at the Asian Cup. I don't get the impression that he's fully fit now. Um, certainly, I saw a couple of Everton fans on Twitter were saying he's probably fifty or sixty percent fit. Yeah. Should we be giving him the game off and just saying, mate, you know, have a week's rest and play the rest of the Premier League season? You know, because at the end of the day, this this game doesn't matter. It, no, know, it doesn't. And, and I, my only concern with someone like Cahill, if he's that unfit, if he's only at sixty percent, and he's got a massive point to prove, having got sent off for them, I just don't want to see him doing anything silly and injuring mm. himself for the rest of the season. Mm. Which not only sort of uh, 
you know, is, is bad news for him, but it's also potentially makes Holger's job harder when we need him for cre- for key games that aren't on FIFA dates, whatever, and go, yeah. no. Yeah. I, I think you'll find this will probably be his last game for a while because we've got a couple of games in June. I don't think he'll pick him for those games. He need, This is a player who needs a you rest. See, I, I, think, I, think he, I think he should be given the rest now because they do need him in June because they need to sell tickets. Mm. If they're going to be, if, you know, they're, they're home games in June, yeah. you know, and they will need Cahill and Kuehl to, to put bums on seats, mm. you know, even if they take it, the games to Adelaide and, and Amy Park, mm. they're still going to have to sell 30, 35,000 mm. seats, you know, and, and he's the draw card. So mm. I'd, I'd rather see him given this game off, yeah. you know, and I just hope that his desire to put yeah. right what happened in Durban doesn't uh, come back to bite us. Yeah. Um, all right, I mean, let's, let's talk Rukovica. Um, you know, he didn't go to the Asian Cup. Uh, so he's, he's really been swapped in for, for Scott McDonald. So, mm. um, and you wonder about Scott's future in the national team as well. You know, still to score. Um, you know, where does he fit into the whole mix right now? I'm, I'm still not sure where he fits in. Yeah. I mean, Rukovic has been, been doing well for Herter. Uh, seems to be more of a provider than a, than a goal scorer. I mean, is that potentially, is this Holger looking at him potentially as a, as an option on the wide of, uh, left as a, you know, Obviously, there's no, there's no cure there. Mm. Well, I think. I know Harry is there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah Harry is there. I, th- I think with Nikita, I think he's he's got such great pace. Um, and when we when he played at Perth, he was he was playing that slightly deeper role. Um, and I think he's probably looking at that sort of role for him. Um, but you know, I mean, he's great. I mean, he's got pace. You know, we we do lack a little bit of pace. Mackay's come in. Kilkenny's come in. I mean, to be honest, I would, I'd rather see a lot of the players from the training camp squad in this actual team. But I, I think it's more about regaining some national pride. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, when you think about it, this this really should just be a chance to, to blood some, you know, some of the players that we've got in this tra- training camp squad. It All hasn't right. happened, though. So what's your tip, then? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. It's, it's going to be hard to win in Germany against this team. I mean, have you, have you seen the squad? I mean, this is, this, yeah. this is, this is a fantastic squad. Um, it's going to be really hard. I think if we can get away with the draw, it'll be a fantastic result. Okay. No, I'd agree with that. I, 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 I can't see us getting anything there. I'd be pleasantly And how good are the Germans? Yeah. How have they reinvented themselves as a football nation? The yeah. way they play, the way that the players that they produce now. I, I, I'll tell you what I'd really like. I would like to see sort of Matt Mackay um, get a chance to just, just for his... I mean, imagine that to me would be the ultimate look back on a 12-month period and go, right, from where I was this time, like when I was watching the World Cup, yeah. watching these guys tear apart as a, the World Cup, to now mixing it in midfield with Ozil, Kadir, and Schweinsteiger, right. yeah. and Thomas Muller. Yeah. I, I, I think it'd be great to see them do that, so I, I do hope he you know, gets play, I love that, players on 100 grand a year in the A-League, playing against players who play against Real, for, for Real Madrid, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he will play as well. I think he'll right. play him. Well, there's obviously uh, that's a friendly, but there are some uh, there are some full Euro 2012 qualifiers uh, going on over the weekend. Friday night games, uh, probably the pick. You've got Serbia taking on Northern Ireland, Slovenia, Italy, um, mm. Spain, Czech Republic, Hungary versus the Netherlands. Uh, Saturday, uh, big game in the UK, Wales versus England. Now, normally you'd say that this is a procession for England but with a Wales team with the likes of Gareth Bale and James Collins and Aaron Ramsey back uh, and fit not going to be a walk in the park particularly not in Cardiff That'll be great. It reminds me when I was a kid when I used to see the home nation. Oh, yeah. What was it? Uh, it was it was England would play I think uh, Northern Ireland on the Saturday, Wales midweek, and then they play Scotland the next Saturday. So seven seven days, three games. It was brilliant. Uh, it's really interesting with the Wales team. I mean, th- this is a nation that's never really done anything at uh, international level. You know, will will Gareth Bale take that next step? At the Euro- European Championships and then maybe even the World Cup and see how good he really is. Okay. Um, looking forward to that one. Yeah. Um, and also Japan are playing Montenegro, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. there's some other friendlies um, as well. There's Scotland, which Brazil. Which is obviously very emotional, yeah. Scotland, Brazil. Now that, I just remember the... Uh, World Cup was it? Well, David Neri scored... 78? Is either 78 or 82? David Neri opened the scoring for Scotland with a toe poke 
and it was almost as if it was as if it sort of stirred the hornet's yeah. nest right because the Scots didn't know what they'd done they were like oh god <laughs> and then the Brazilians just turned it on and murdered them but uh but yeah, so that that should be interesting to watch uh, for Scots fans out there. Um, there's some other games as well. USA Argentina, um, that's on Saturday. Uh, Portugal Chile, be a nice game to watch. Mm. Uh, Colombia Ecuador, Mexico Paraguay. So, whoever you support, there is football galore over the next mm. ten days uh, from every sort of corner of the globe. So uh, there's plenty. Uh, New Zealand are in, an- are in action. Yeah, they're playing China. Their game against Japan's actually been cancelled, yeah, obviously due to yeah. what's happened there. Um, which is so it's a bit of a surprise that the, the Japan are supposedly playing Montenegro, but uh, also South Korea have got a couple of interesting games against uh, South American and Central American opposition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the China New Zealand game will be very interesting. New Zealand on the road to the World Cup, very very exciting squad. Costa Barbarossa, you're talking about Matt Mackay. Yeah. Costa Barbarossa is now called up to the national team as is. Um, uh, you know, uh, Marco Reyes. Marco yeah. Reyes and, yeah. and, you know, really good squad. Really, really strong squad, I think, for the next World Cup. Cool. Well, as I said, the mass- another massive week ahead. So by the time we, uh, we catch up with you next Thursday, we'll be able to review the, uh, Soccer Is We Germany. Hope we, hopefully we'll be, will be more of a positive review than the last time we played them. Um, and we'll be able to look back on all of that football that we've just talked about. So, uh, and maybe there'll be a little power. And there'll uh, be a, another addition to, a little addition to the 442 crew by that point as well. So Trev, if you're listening <laughs> to this, uh, you might be a dad by the time you hear it, but all the best with that. And, uh, I'll see you in the office soon. Thanks a lot for joining us. Enjoy your football this week and we'll speak to you next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.